This is the Where's Your Head At podcast from Magic Radio. I'm Lynn Parsons and this is episode one of Where's Your Head At, brought to you by Magic Radio. Over the next few weeks, myself and Tom Price will be chatting to a range of experts covering all different topics of mental health and discovering what every single one of us can do to try and help and improve our mental health. On today's episode, I'll be in conversation with Natasha Devon, who travels all over the country to work with schools and colleges on mental health and helps to conduct research in the area too. Natasha has also written several books and has teamed up with Bauer and Magic Radio to launch a petition to encourage the government to make it law that workplaces and colleges should have a mental health first aider. It's important to understand what we mean when we say the words mental health. Often we associate it with conditions like depression or bipolar and confuse mental health with mental illness. They are, of course, very different things. This is something I'll be speaking to Natasha in depth about throughout this episode. But the easiest way to explain it is simply to say every single person has mental health. If you're listening to this, you have mental health in the same way you have physical health and there are things that we can all do to look after our mental health. In a recent survey commissioned by Bauer Media, which included Magic listeners, 98% of respondents agreed that looking after your mental health is just as important as looking after your physical health with 57% of Magic listeners saying that they've experienced mental health issues in some form. So it's clear to see that now, more than ever, we need to be talking, listening and educating ourselves on the subject. I'm Lynn Parsons and this is Where's Your Head At? brought to you by Magic Radio and I'm joined by Natasha Devon. Could you introduce yourself and briefly tell us the sort of things you do? It's quite difficult to summarise my job in a couple of words, but essentially I tour the UK working with teenagers and their parents and teachers And I not only deliver workshops in schools and colleges around mental health, but I also conduct research so that I can find out what challenges they face. And I feed that back not only to a number of different organisations I work with, but also to the Health and Education Select Committee. So I like to think that my job is taking the voices of young people to government level. What have you been focusing on for the past six months? The past six months, my focus has really been around boys and young men. There is a myth, I think, that they don't have mental health needs. And it's because the language that they use when they're talking about their mental health and the environments that they do it in aren't the same um, as girls. So we, they can very often fly under the radar. So I've been looking at how we can provide support for them, bearing in mind, of course, that suicide is the biggest killer of, of men under 50 in this country. I know you've written some books. Can you tell me about those? Well, my latest book is called A Beginner's Guide to Being Mental, and it's an A to Z. And I very deliberately called it that because um, mental is a word that is very often used in a derogatory way. It's, it's quite stigmatizing. And as somebody who has a mental illness myself, I felt that I wanted to reclaim it and turn it into something not positive, but neutral. Mental, in the context that I use it in my book, just means someone with a mind, which is 
everyone. <laughs> so it's an A to Z covering everything related to mental health. A is anxiety, as you might expect. But then there are things which you might not expect, like C is for capitalism, looking at our environment. And G is for GP, which you might expect. But then Q is for queer. So it's looking at sexuality and its impact on mental health. And the idea is that you can be at any point in terms of your mental health knowledge and that it will allow you to have conversations with the people around you and perhaps support people who have mental health issues by helping you to understand some of the terminology. So I'm just going to pause there for a moment to draw attention to the very reason we've partnered up with Natasha. Bauer Media, with Magic Involved, have joined forces with Natasha in association with Mental Health First Aid England with the hope of raising at least 100,000 signatures on a petition, urging the government to make mental health first aiders a requirement in the workplace or college, and we'd like it to be taken to Parliament to be debated. If you'd like to sign or share this petition, you can find out more information at where'syourheadat.org. Magic Radio is proud to support Where's Your Head At? Magic is part of an initiative that's launched a petition and this petition is aiming to get enough signatures to get a debate into Parliament. And this is all to say we'd like it to be mandatory for workplaces to have a mental health first aider. What's your stance on this and your involvement in this? Well, I'm an instructor for Mental Health First Aid England, which is an organisation that trains people in workplaces and schools and colleges to spot the signs, the early signs of poor mental health in the people in their environment, um, how to listen non-judgmentally if they come to them to talk, and also what's appropriate to recommend in terms of further support and also self-care as well. So my idea was that this should really be something that's rolled out in every workplace because after all, we have fire marshals, we have physical first aiders. This is enshrined into the Health and Safety at Work Act. And yet when you think about the fact that one in six people will experience a mental health issue at work and that it's the single biggest cause of time taken off, so it's having a significant cost to our economy as well as to people's quality of life, it makes sense that we would have something similar in place for mental health as well as physical. Natasha, I'm a physical first aider and I just did, well, I think it was three days training or something like that with the St John's Ambulance. For mental first aider, what are we thinking here? How long would it take to train someone? Well, the the standard course is two days. And over that two days, you look at the six most common mental health problems, which are depression, anxiety, suicidal feelings, psychosis, eating disorders and self-harm. And you learn, as I say, early symptom spotting, how to talk to somebody who may be going through those issues and then what you can recommend for further support for all six of those. What would make a natural mental first aider. So I'm not necessarily a natural physical first aider. Would it be someone that volunteered in the first place, do you think? Or is there a bit more to it? If you were thinking of who would be most appropriate in your workplace, it would make sense for it to be somebody that people naturally gravitate towards to talk I don't think there's any such thing as somebody who couldn't do it if they were really keen. I I don't think anybody should be put off because it's designed so that anybody can learn those basic skills. But say you're a boss of an organisation and you're trying to identify who would be the best person. You want the types of people that always have a group around them at the water cooler, you know, who can inspire trust. I suppose a people people. What impact would having a mental health first aider actually have, do you feel? 
Well, all the evidence shows that the earlier you catch a mental health difficulty, the more treatable and manageable it is. What's happening in a lot of instances at the moment is because there is so much stigma and so little support in place, people are waiting until they reach crisis point before they seek help. And at that point, it's it's very difficult and very costly and, and it takes a lot of time to help them to recover. So I'm hoping that by having a mental health first aider in every workplace, uh, we'll be able to reduce the stigma of talking about it at work, identify these problems early and mean that um, people can access care that they need and kind of head these problems off before they become something that stops them from functioning. Now, some people may have reservations about this. We all struggle to talk about mental health. So how do we even know people would open up to a first aider? You couldn't approach people, could you? I think you you could, but you wouldn't necessarily want to confront someone. So again, one of the things that the course teaches you is open questions that you can ask if you suspect that someone is struggling to perhaps get them to open up. And you do it in the context of case studies who you create so you can make people who um, have the personalities of your colleagues, although you wouldn't replicate your colleague you know you could give them some personality traits and you can practice those kinds of scenarios I do think there is still stigma what one of the things that I've noticed is that people are far happier talking about their mental illness in retrospect than saying I am struggling right now and you could argue that the reason for that is that when you're struggling it's it's more difficult to talk but I also think it's because there's far more stigma attached to living with an illness as opposed to having recovered from an illness and that's why, you know, I've had an anxiety disorder for 27 years. I don't think it's going anywhere. And that's why I'm really keen to, to stress to people that this is something that I don't see as radically different from having, say, diabetes. It's, it's something I have to be aware of. It's something that I have to take steps to manage. But it doesn't dictate my behaviour and it doesn't define who I am. And something that I think is very important to be very clear on is the difference between mental health and mental illness. Mm. Can you explain... In the clearest terms, please, anyone who may not know the difference. This is really crucial. We all have a mental health. If you have a head with a brain in it, you have mental health. Just in the same way you might have physical health. So if I said to you, how's your physical health today? You might say, I've got a pain in my left knee, but other than that, I'm fine. Or I think I might be coming down with a cold. You know, in just the same way, if you say I feel a bit stressed today, you're talking about your mental health. A mental illness is a set of symptoms that fits the diagnostic criteria where your doctor would diagnose you with a mental illness. People tend to use them interchangeably. And in fact, um, Grazia and um, Heat Magazine and various other Bauer brands have signed up to um, something I created called the Mental Health Media Charter. And this is a set of guidelines around language and imagery on how to report on, on mental health stories responsibly. And there's lots of different guidance in there, but one of them is understanding that distinction. Because when you say things like one in four people will have mental health... <laughs> That's not only doesn't make any sense. No, everybody <laughs> does. Uh, but it also it increases the stigma because it means as soon as you say the words mental health, people immediately think mental illness and, and yes. that can make people panic about addressing it. So everyone has mental health, which we've just established. There are things that we can all do to try and help with our mental health. Mm. What are the biggest things that you can recommend to help? The first thing I would say is that mental health is something that needs to be nurtured consistently, not just when you think you might be struggling. So mental health first aid, for example, recommend taking one hour every single day for self-care. 
And self-care is anything where you um, empty your stress container. So it can be, for example, physical activity, going out for a walk, getting some fresh air. It can be relaxation, taking a bath, doing um, a meditation or mindfulness app. Or it can be something creative, you know, dancing, drawing, painting, creative writing, listening to or making music, but an hour every single day. And you would be surprised. It doesn't sound like a lot, one hour out of 24, but with the pace of life, how many people really struggle to carve out that time for themselves, but you can't pour from an empty cup, you know, and, 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 I think prioritizing your own mental health, people think it's selfish. It's not. It's ensuring that you are in the best possible frame of mind to function effectively and potentially to support the people around you. A lot of conversation happens around social media and the pressure that puts on us as people to seem happy. So on Facebook, no one's going to take a miserable photograph of themselves, are they? They're all going to be smiles. Uh, It makes us feel like we need to be perfect. What impact is social media having on mental health? Well, I don't think any reasonable person would argue that social media isn't having a really dramatic impact on how we think and behave. But when it comes to the impact it's having on our well-being, it becomes slightly murkier territory. The Bauer survey revealed that only 16% of people think that social media is having a negative impact on their mental health. Now, when you look at the emphasis, particularly people at government level, our, our Secretary of State for Health, Jeremy Hunt, every time he's asked about mental health, he points the finger at social media. And that's very convenient for him because that's not something he has direct control over. So I think it is possible to overstate the impact social media has. And it's also important to bear in mind that it has positive impact as well. And there was some research that was done by Facebook. Now, you you may argue that they have a bias, but it made a lot of sense to me that what they found was that it depends how you use it. If you go online and you're just passively scrolling through, that's when it can start to affect your self-esteem in a negative way. If you're using social media to connect, if you're interacting with people, like-minded people, if you're having conversations, then it actually increases your well-being, they found. Social media is not going anywhere. And what I hear is a lot of people lamenting a kind of more innocent bygone era and saying, oh, wouldn't it be brilliant if, if it had never been invented? But that's not um, a good use of our time, I, I don't think. We need to acknowledge that it's here and teach people, particularly children, how to use it in a healthy way. If someone's inspired by our petition, what could they be doing on a personal level or in their communities to help the cause along with signing the petition? That's a really good question. Um, To write to your local MP would be a really proactive step because we're hoping to get this debated and discussed in the Houses of Parliament and ultimately to get the Health and Safety at Work Act changed. Um, To share the petition, get all of your friends and family to sign it um, would, would be a good step in the right direction. And also to ask your boss or whoever's in charge of the purse strings at your work whether somebody can be trained in mental health first aid in your workplace. If you go to MHFA England, I think that's where you can find all the information about the courses. Natasha Devon, thank you very much. It's very clear when you listen to Natasha and look at the evidence out there surrounding mental health that there's a real need for a mental health first aider in the workplace and in colleges. 
also how astounding a difference it could make to so many members of staff. Over the coming weeks, myself and Tom Price will be delving further into the ways you can look after your mental health. And the next episode will be all about sleep and exercise and how vital both of these things are, not just for your physical health, but your mental health too. I'm Lynn Parsons and this was episode one of Where's Your Head At? brought to you by Magic Radio. If you'd like to support, sign or share our petition to try and bring mental health first aiders into workplaces and colleges, you can find out more at where'syourheadat.org. Magic Radio is proud to support Where's Your Head At? Just a reminder, if you're listening to this and you've been affected by the subject matter or you feel you need to reach out and get help, there are a number of charities around and you can contact the Samaritans by phone 24-7. Their number is 116-123. That's 116-123. That number is free and confidential.